I want you to open your Bible with me today, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. We are looking at, these days, the Sermon on the Mount, making our way through them. Uh, as we look about at this, this issue of living the kingdom life, how to live in the kingdom while in this world. And, uh, and so today we, we've, we look at our second in our series of messages, uh, and today we're going to be looking at living a life of influence. I think that, I, that this would be a correct statement for me to, if I can put words in God's mouth or in Jesus' mouth. I believe that God doesn't put us here just to exist, just to take up space. Just to kind of go along to get along and, and just kind of live as long as you can and then die and go to heaven. That, I really think that he intends that while we're here, we're making an impact on this world. Now, God is aware that this is a, a very difficult place to live. He didn't make it that way. We did. He made it perfect. But then sin entered the camp. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump and messed up everything. And now look where we are. And so God expects that you and I, as Jesus followers, live a life that makes an impact on the world that's around us. Living a life of influence. Last week we talked about how to have a deliriously happy life. By doing these things that we've come to know as the Beatitudes. Today we're going to look at this issue of being a salt and light Christian. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start reading, or Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse 13. Um, uh, years ago, we were, when I was a youth pastor... I recall this this week. One of the kids in our youth group, one of the girls, said that there was a boy that wanted to date her. And you, you, if you've been around young people, you find out that when they're entering that dating stage, they begin to they begin to come up with pickup lines. You know what I'm talking about? You do. Well, this guy's pickup line was a little bit unusual. And it was this. He said, I, wa I want you to know that you're the flame and I'm the moth that is attracted to the flame. She didn't date him. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's, to me, that's just plain weird. But I want to use it here uh, today in this message because we are to be like flame is or like light bulbs, porch lights are to moths. We should be an attraction. We should be something that, they, that people are drawn to, magically drawn to. They see that there's something different. That's the kind of influence that Jesus is going to be talking about in this, uh, in this next section of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, our job as believers is to draw people to Jesus Christ. And the question is, how do we do it? How, do we, how are we 
attractive in such a way that it presents a positive influence on, on others around us as well as on this world in which we live. Well, Jesus says, by, by being who you are, that's how you're going to do this. Now, we're going to develop that thought here in a few moments. But I want you to read beginning at verse 13. And we're going to read down through verse 16. Jesus, now remember Jesus has gathered his, uh, his disciples around him. And the multitudes have gathered behind them. And Jesus is teaching to his disciples in earshot of everybody else around. Okay? And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are going to take a look at what it was that Jesus was, was talking about is going to impact and influence this world. Did you notice he didn't say anything like power or money or political position? None of those things are going to make an impact on this world. I think, in fact, in a lot of ways, those kinds of things just kind of are gasoline on the fire. Instead, he's going to say, he's saying, how you're going to be, in, you're going to make a difference is, is when you realize that you are salt and when you realize that you are a light. So let's break that down a little bit because neither one of those things were all, are really all that impressive in and of themselves, right? I mean, salt. Anybody here doesn't have salt in your house unless you're out, but anybody doesn't. And some of you have salt in your house, even though the doctors told you you can't eat salt anymore. It's just everywhere. And I know at our home, not only do we have several salt shakers, but we've got several different kinds of salt. I've got kosher salt and I got rock salt and I got this Himalayan red salt. <laughs> All of these other, all these other salt variations, it's just everywhere, and they're not very expensive. I mean, none of them. Well, the red Himalayan salt a little bit, but the other. And, and by the way, do you know what salt is? Salt is a compound of two basic elements. Now, does that help you? Sodium and chloride. That's all. Nothing else. And once sodium and chloride mix together and form salt, it's always N-A-C-L. Always. And it doesn't matter if you get kosher salt or table salt or red Himalayan salt or rock salt. It's all N-A-C-L-4. Now, some of it's a little bit more pleasant to eat, to taste, than others. That's the whole purpose behind whatever Morton does to their salt uh, to make it more enjoyable. I don't think clean it. It's also wider. I notice that table salt is a lot wider than rock salt. But you know what I've discovered? It's all N-A-C-L. 
all sodium chloride. You, if you go out and you mine salt, and they do that, when you go out and you mine salt and you get a big slab of salt, you know what it's made of? NaCl, period. Now, something happens though to salt. This is especially true around the, Red, uh, the Dead Sea, uh, <clears throat> but it's true in, in, in areas where oftentimes where salt is mined, that there are other minerals that are there that begin to invade, if you will, impurities that will invade the block of salt, the chunk of salt. And those are the things that make some salt inedible or the other minerals. But here's the deal. It's still NaCl. You got that? Now, wait to, if you thought that was boring, wait till you get to, till I get to a light bulb. <laughs> Let's talk about, about salt for a moment because what Jesus said is that you are the salt of the earth. The earth needs flavor, needs seasoning, and guess where that's going to come from? You, me. We are the salt of the earth. Be, and so I want to talk to you about how to be salt in a thirsty world. Because one of the things that salt does is it makes you thirsty. When I was in high school, which was, well, we rode the stagecoach instead of a bus to school. When I, when I played basketball, we, we practiced uh, during, we had workouts during the summer. And the, summer, uh, the school that I attended was not air-conditioned. So we'd work out in the gym. It was hot in there. And you're running, and you're doing all this stuff. And so our coach made us take salt tablets. Did you ever do that, Greg? Take salt tablets so you'll sweat. Well, really, that's what we thought it was for. It's really because it'll make you thirsty. And then you'll go drink more fluid. I guess he knew a little bit about... about uh, uh, teenagers that we're always if you're a teenage guy you're always okay I don't need anything Arr, you know but we would drink we would take salt tablets because salt makes us thirsty Jesus is intending that you are going to make the world thirst and be thirsty but there's a before I get into that I, I want to I want to tell you uh, there on that that verse 13 where it says you are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You ready for your English lesson? The word are is a state of being verb. Okay? Second person, singular, state of being. Now, does that clear that up? If it's first person singular, it's not are, but it's am, I am, okay? I am, you are. Um, and so in this case, in both verses, <clears throat> in the Greek language, the words that are used in Greek <clears throat> are state of, is a state of being verb in the plural sense, in the plural second person sense uh, the word would translate are 
that means we got a good translation. And in the, if it were about himself, he would say, I am. Jesus said, I am a lot, right? If you know anything about Greek, you find out that the form of those verbs of am and are, they have a, an emphasis, and the emphasis is not you are, but the emphasis is on the word you. You are. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. They knew that he was going to make a difference in the world. They understood he was the light of the world. After all, John wrote that in the first chapter of his gospel. And so they understand that, but here's, he's giving them a new understanding. You, and can I say that to this crowd of disciples here? You are present, indicative, uh, uh, the present tense, indicative, means that it's you and that you are already, it's not something you should study to be. So in other words, this is what I'm saying and all that is this is not a message that tells you, here's how you can become salt. Here's how you can become light and make an impact. You already are. You already are making an influence on this world. The issue is what kind of influence are you making? What kind of difference are you making? Let me tell you a little bit about, about salt. Let's talk about the value of salt. Your body, your body contains four ounces of salt. Your, your body, if you ever get low on sodium, you'll know, you'll know it, okay? We need to, we need to go to the that next slide, if you will. Um, we're, we're talking about, uh, uh, about you already are the salt of the earth. I want you to see the value that there is uh, in salt. First, you need it to live. Your muscles need it. Your heart needs it. You need salt to live. That ought to give you enough value right there. But salt, this stuff that you only pay a, a dollar something at the grocery store for a tub of it, this stuff that is so cheap today at one time was not very cheap. In fact, History will tell us that there were wars that were fought over salt. Salt was an important compound, an important ingredient in the world around us. Now, we live in a world that has hospitals and doctors and antibiotics and all these antiseptics and all that. But in the ancient world, salt was, uh, was a preservative. Salt was used uh, to heal wounds. In fact, in, I believe it was 1812, Napoleon Bonaparte marched his troops into Russia uh, and into Moscow, and he took something like 450,000 troops to capture this big chunk of land. And the, the Russian troops uh, retreated back on the other side of Moscow, and Napoleon went with him, and then in came the Russian winter and <clears throat> Napoleon's troops began they had a bat they have one battle for instance between the Russians and the French 
where there were over uh, over 80,000, over 75,000 troops that lost in one day. They say it's one of the bloodiest days in the history of the world. Uh, so the, his, Napoleon was winning, but his men were getting beaten terribly. And so they, they retreated and they thought they would go back to Moscow and just recover there during the winter. And what the Russians did is they burned the city of Moscow down. Two thirds, three fourths of the city was burned to the ground, eliminating food and food supplies for Napoleon. And he and his troops were there where they were starving. It was winter time. They weren't used to that. <clears throat> but the real issue was they were they were being infected with typhus. And these these soldiers had wounds and they didn't have any salt to put on the wounds to keep them from from the typhus from just taking over uh, their bodies. And he had he ended up having to leave Russia because they didn't have enough salt to take care of the wounds of his men. Uh, Roman soldiers were partly paid in salt. And a bad soldier was known as someone who was not worth his salt. Um, I think that people realize something that you and I don't. Salt was a major significant substance in their world. And our world is just kind of a seasoning. But in their world, they realized salt was essential to life. Jesus is telling his disciples now, to this world that's around you, you are essential. If you came here today to get some word of encouragement, here it is. God says, Jesus says, you are essential to the world around us. If you don't, if you aren't salt, in the world where you're living, who's going to be? Who's going to be? The value of salt. Second thing I want you to, to see is, is the qualities of salt. The qualities of salt. Salt is, uh, uh, it, it does several different things. We've already talked about many of them. But one thing it does is it, is it creates thirst. <clears throat> salt creates thirst. I remember as a kid one time, you only do this once, by the way. We thought it'd be funny to, uh, when mom and dad would get up in the morning and have their coffee, to put salt in their coffee. Okay, we thought that was funny, y'all. I, I tried to stop my brother and sisters from doing that. <laughs> we put coffee, salt in their coffee, and it didn't go over so well. Because... It, I don't drink coffee, but salted coffee is not necessarily very good, not enjoyable at all. Uh, and so we thought, well, then what we can do is if we, and we were told to know in certain terms to never put salt in their coffee again, we decided to take the sugar out of the sugar bowl and put salt in it. And when they got there, they spooned theirs in and they took a drink of it. They said, we told you not to to put salt in the cup. We didn't do it. You did. That didn't go over real well either. <laughs> but salt, um, salt, it, 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 it can be awful in coffee, but in other foods, things like eggs, I'm thinking of things in my own palate, 
and mashed potatoes. If I don't have salt on them, oh my. You know, salt is, a, is an enjoyable thing mixed with the right, with the right uh, food ingredients. So, um, salty popcorn. Something that I have, have had that I don't eat very often, uh, but you can get them at most of the stores, the salted caramels. That doesn't sound like that'd be all that good, but it really is pretty good. Be careful because they sell in big jars of these caramels. That's a different, that's a different issue, different sermon. Um, the point is that salt enhances flavor. Salt makes things taste better. And so uh, the first thing is that we see is that salt makes us, uh, it creates thirst, it enhances flavor, um, and it uh, salt preserves, purifies. In fact, that was what was really important in their world was that salt preserved meat. You know, around where Jesus headquartered his ministry was the Sea of Galilee, and they, they caught a lot of fish. That, that's the best place. If you want to eat fish, the best place is somewhere near a lake. Okay? Especially if you want fresh fish. Especially if you want to have fr uh, fish in a arid Middle Eastern climate. <clears throat> so they, they're around Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, really the Lake of Galilee. They caught a lot of fish. But how do you keep a fish fresh? They don't have a refrigerator at home. They don't have an ice box and a cooler to keep their fish in. What they had was salt and they could cover it with salt and it would preserve the fish. And so oftentimes the fish that they're eating is a salted down fish that is caught in the, in the Sea of Galilee. Same thing is true on meat. I know I, I like to smoke meat, and one of the things that I typically will do is put it in, put it on a rub with some kosher salt, you know. And what the salt does is doesn't just season it; it keeps it. It slows down the decay of the meat, and so it preserves things. And it's 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 used when uh, a time when the, that's the only preservatives that are there in our world today. Saline solutions, salt solutions, are a part of a lot of medical um, uh, treatments. A lot of drugs involve a saline solution. Clean your eyes out with it. These things preserve um, the conditions and the treatments, the medicines that are being made. So, being salt in a in a uh, in this world that needs seasoning is what Jesus says. This, this world is looking for salt, for salt. It's thirsty, and you are there to feed it. Secondly, I want you to, to see Jesus talked about being light in a dark world. Being light in a dark world. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 starts off with, you are the light of the world. I don't need to tell you about the you and the R, right? The emphasis is on you. You already are the light of the world. And the world that's around you is dark and in need of light. Now, 
Do I need to expound that, or can you can you see that? We're crazy, aren't we? Our world is out of it just seems like it's gone berserk and out of control. And how is anything going to rein it in or make it make it make sense? You are the light in a dark world. Let me tell you some things about uh, about being light. The benefits of light. First of all, light makes darkness flee. It chases away the darkness. Someplace that is dark, so you can barely see, and you flip that little switch on the wall. Nowadays you do, you didn't back in Jesus' day, but you flip that little switch on the wall, all of a sudden it's light in here. You know, we've gotten so used to this, I don't think very many of us came into the room today and said, hmm, there's lights in here. It's bright. Hey, nobody in your conversation were probably talking about the lights. The only ones that probably were were the guys that, that are working back there because they want to make sure these lights are on and those lights are on so that you can, you can see up here what's, going, what's taking place. But for the most part, light's just always around us. But if you came in here and this room was dark, you'd notice it, wouldn't you? Because light, when it's not on, leaves darkness. Light, when it is turned on, chases away the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, John chapter 1, verse 5 says, and the darkness could not overcome it. We live in a dark world, and the gospel brings light, brings salvation to this world that desperately needs it. We are the bearers of the gospel to the world that needs to hear it. So St. Francis of Assisi said, everywhere you go, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Our lives should be light to the world. Light chases away darkness. Secondly, light exposes flaws and imperfections. Light reveals things. You, you know, the other day, Sue had a splinter in her hand. And uh, she was, she brought a mirror, one of those magnifying mirrors in, into the, the kitchen area, because that's where the best light is for us. We got one right over head of this countertop and she brought this mirror so that she could get light reflected just in the right spot off that spotlight that's there and had a magnifying glass you know this is the way older people have to take out splinters <laughs> and she find she we finally dug out that uh, that splinter she just knew it was in there somewhere but until the light was shown on it she didn't understand what the problem was or how to get it out light explode Moses lost. There is a there is a uh, a new machine, a medical machine called an LED skin scope. Um, this scope is used to examine the skin to diagnose cancers and other skin problems that cannot be seen with normal light. Once these light these issues are exposed, the person realizes that they need to be treated. In other words, the doctors would have this, this scope and it would, it would detect skin cancers that are undetectable under just normal light. 
So light can expose the flaws and maybe save your life. Uh, thirdly, light helps you, guide you down the right path. I, I've told you this before, but it just fits here. When we were in Brazil on a mission trip, we were it was an evening where I wasn't feeling well and I wasn't speaking that night, so we'd been in went to the church meeting and I said I, I'm not feeling good I'm gonna go back to the hotel and so I it was probably about a mile a mile walk through town and uh, then our hotel was just a few hundred yards outside of town well the problem with that was that there were no street lights out where the hotel was so as long as I was walking through town no problem I could see where I was going but once I got to the outskirts of town, there were no more streetlights, and I wasn't yet at the hotel. It got dark. We were in the jungle, the rainforest, uh, near the Amazon River. It was dark in there. And I knew that there were snakes that were about 400 feet long, and there was probably some black panthers in there and all these, these fire ants and all these things that'll kill you. And I'm going to be walking through this, not woods, but, but brush to get to the hotel. And I, I couldn't, I didn't know for sure where it was. And when I left the light, I got out here and I was in almost nearly in a panic. What am I going to do? I thought I was going to walk back to the church. But in the distance, I could see one 60 watt light bulb burning that was on the front porch of that hotel. And I knew as long as I could see that light, it would guide me through. And so that's how I got home that night. That light kept me on the path. If I got over here off the path and the brush had gotten away, that wasn't where I wanted to go. I'd get back on that path. Light guides you down the right path so you don't end up somewhere you don't want to be. How many people do you know that kind of get up, look around and say, how did I get here? What happened to my life? Where, where, did every, where did I go wrong? These are all things that people who need light will oftentimes, uh, will oftentimes say. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But it's not, the problem is Jesus is in heaven now. Now you are the light of the world. You already are the light to somebody that needs to see, to be guided through the light. Let me get, tell you a fourth thing about, about light. Light brings hope and security. Light brings hope and security. There's just something that's comforting if you're in a dark place when the light comes on. There's a certain warmth. There's a, there's a certain especially if you're somebody who thinks that there's a boogeyman in that dark room with you. And when the light comes on, you see there's no boogeyman. That's why so many kids, who one day become adults, by the way, so many kids who want to sleep with the nightlight on to make sure that the boogeyman won't get them. And then we get older and we get more complicated nightlights. And so um, a light can produce, can provide hope and security the gospel brings us to jesus christ who's the light of the world and jesus christ is our hope somebody needs to hear that 
And you may be the somebody that needs to reveal that to them. You are salt and you are light. That's what Jesus says. Let, let me share with you then uh, something that becomes problematic here. And that is uh, that you can be salt and you can be light in, in this world, but you can be useless at it. Being useless in a dark and a thirsty world. Now the preacher's quitting preaching and going to meddling, isn't he? You know that there's, as far as being a Christian witness, you already are the light, you already are the soul. You can make an impact on this world, you can influence this world, but most of us aren't. Most of us are taking up space. Most of us need to hear this message so we can once again be useful rather than useless. Now, here's the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how's the earth going to be flavored? You're the light of the world, but if the light is hidden under a basket, under a bushel basket, what good's it doing? You see, it's possible to be salt and light, but to do something with your life that makes you non-influential. You become useless, if you will, for the kingdom and a living kingdom life. So God has a purpose for you in this world. Remember that. As I said when we started, God doesn't just doesn't want us to just be here and take up time and space. God wants us to make an impact and be influential in our world. He desires you, he desires me to be fruitful, to be productive, not useless. How can a believer be useless? How can salt be useless? He says, useless salt. Let's, let's take a look at that. Uh, in the latter part of 13b, how can salt lose its saltiness? Remember when we talked about salt a few moments ago? It's always NACL. No matter how old it is or how uh, how big of a chunk you have, if you, you know those those salt blocks, Greg, you know those salt blocks that you take out when you go deer hunting and you put them out in the woods? And uh, you take that, that chunk of salt and you break it up and break it up into small pieces, it's the exact same stuff as it was when it's in a big chunk. So how, where does it lose its saltiness? Where does it lose its flavor? If it's always NaCl4, or NaCl, what, what happens? How does it become useless? Well, there are a couple of things that we need to, to see. Uh, since salt can't be either strengthened or weakened, uh, Jesus here has to be talking about the purity of the salt. The minerals that are growing alongside the salt that sometimes get absorbed into the salt and it loses some of its flavor. There are parts of the world, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Water runs there and dies. And it is also one of the saltiest places on earth, but you can't eat that salt because there's too many impurities, too much sulfur and other things that are there that, are, that have been soaked up by the salt 
so that it becomes inedible. And so you know what they use the salt for from the Dead Sea? They throw it on the roads, the gravel roads, so that the weeds will be <coughs> kept down, kept from growing. They, they, put it, uh, they put it in people's fields. If, if you have an enemy, you can salt their field, <coughs> and their crops won't grow. Or if you want to plant a pathway, you can put salt down on that pathway. I mean, it's all over the place around the Dead Sea. It's just common, easier to get probably than gravel. And you could, you could make a pathway, and it would, the plants wouldn't grow where the salt is. But it's kind of useless as salt, isn't it? It's not what, the, what salt could be like, especially for the believer. The believer being salt doesn't mean you're the useless kind that needs to be thrown down and walked on. By the way, another thing that they did, you know, they had flat roofs in that part of the, uh, that part of the world at that time. And they would take salt up on that flat roof and scatter it all around there. And it would, uh, it would keep any kind of vegetation from growing on their roof. But it also would cause the, the other mud and the other dirt that was on there to harden very hard, almost like concrete, and to make it possible for, uh, for people to live on top of the roofs. Uh, and and we, we, you'll see several times if you're paying attention of how the people in the Bible lived, partially lived, up on their rooftop. Um, so the, the, this useless salt sometimes comes from places like the Dead Sea. Another place, another thing that salt was used for, most ovens <clears throat> were not in the kitchen. Most ovens were outside. And so they would have this, made out of stone, this, this oven, and it would have in the floor of it a tile floor. And underneath the tile, they would, they would uh, uh, put a pile of salt, the salt out of the Dead Sea, in underneath the, the tile so that it would serve as an insulator. So the heat would, would stay in there. And after a while, that salt becomes less and less capable of providing insulation. So you know what they do? They have to take the tiles out, scoop up the salt, and throw it out on the roadway, and put down fresh salt. That's, it, it, it became useless. It became flavorless. So what, what do you do when salt, uh, when salt loses its flavor? What do you do when salt loses its effectiveness? You cast it aside. Christians <clears throat> who live an impure lifestyle make their Christian witness not only worthless, but oftentimes destructive to the lost and hinder them from being saved. Well, that one got, got their deep quick, didn't it? We can become useless instead of making a difference in people's lives. We can actually drive people away from the gospel by the way that we live, by the things that we say, by the fact that they can't tell a nickel's worth of difference between you and them. So why would they want what, you, what you're selling them? Useless salt, also useless light. <clears throat> Jesus said that you're the light of the world and a light, uh, the light of a city that's on a hill 
that light can't be hid. You can see that, that city from far away as you're traveling in. And everybody can see it. But he says, however, if you light a candle and you put it on a candlestick, candle stand or lamp stand, and you then put a basket on top of it, that light becomes useless. If you could put a basket over the top of a city, then it, that light would be, uh, would be hidden. That's not typically hidden. It's useless light. Jesus says it's possible for a lamp that is placed prominently in a room in order to bring light to everyone else to become useless by covering it up, <clears throat> by hiding it in such a way, by camping it down and, and keeping it self-contained with things like, well, I think that faith is something that's very personal and everybody should just make up for themselves, what, make, make their own decision what they, what they believe about faith. I do too. But they're not going to know about Jesus if someone doesn't tell them, if someone doesn't show them. And we ought to show them in such a way that they see the way that we're living or maybe even hear the words that we're saying and they're not words to point out all the flaws and condemnations that, that they need to have heaped on them. But rather they are words of the gospel. The only truth that can set them free. You can't hide that from people. You can't, if you do, you're being useless light. Believers who will not share the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ are pretty much useless to his kingdom. That's not to say you're not of value. It's just to say your witness as a light uh, isn't what it ought to be. Lastly, <clears throat> last point I want to make is, is a point on glorifying God <clears throat> by being salt and light. Jesus' conclusion to his instruction about being salt and light that you already are was this. So let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. The expectation from Jesus is you're going to be doing good works. Maybe that's an unfair expectation. But Jesus is saying, live your life in such a way that when you are doing those good works, the thing that gets glorified, <clears throat> the thing that gets honored is God yourself you know when you break light down scientifically or in physics these things up here are lights these things up here are lamps what's around you is light the light brings glory to the source uh, that is being provided these light bulbs up here don't provide the power to light up this room. We've got electricity brought in from outside that provides the power so these lights can be turned on to give us light. Jesus is saying that when, the, when our light is constantly shining, it makes an impact 
and gives God the glory. Let me tell you two ways that it can give God glory. Number one, it can serve, your light can serve as a witness to the lost. We live in a world where there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And your light can be that which witnesses, that glorifies God. The second way that, that your light can be used to glorify God is that it is a witness to the Lord. Look what he can do. You see, most of the people that I grew up with, I, and this is an honest engine truth, when they see my name on the sign out on the, on the marquee out there, Bobby Jones, pastor, since I grew up in this town, I've had kids that I went to high school, thrift world, drove by, saw my name, and stopped and came into the building to see if it was the same Willoughby Jones because they can't believe <laughs> that that kid they went to school with could possibly be a Baptist minister. <clears throat> now that, that's cute and that's why I told that, told that story. But here's the thing that I'm most proud of. They can see that I'm not the guy I used to be. And if they ask me why that is, it's not because I'm a Baptist minister and gone to seminary and I'm a really good guy. Always was, just it was just always hidden down deep. It's because God changed me. And if he can change this guy, let me tell you, he can change your life. He can change your life. It's a witness to God and what he's able to do when you're letting your light shine before others around. Now, I, I also mentioned uh, last time that we, that we studied that um, I want to give you some keys to living an influential life or keys to kingdom living. And so I want to share with you uh, the key for today. Last week we talked uh, about the, that it is possible for us to live happy lives. Now I want to share with you the keys the key for this week that you need to remember. Do not, if you haven't been taking notes or if you are a note taker, make sure you get this one written down because this is the message that's coming out of this, out of this sermon, out of this message. Here's what it is. The key is this. The opportunity, you have the opportunity to be an influence in this world for God's kingdom. The choice is yours. You already are salt. You already are light. You, if you're a believer and a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, there's not a thing you need to do to become that. You don't have to have a class. You don't have to go to school and get a degree in it. You already are. You're already in the world. You're out there living in the world. You're shopping in the world. You're working in the world. You're living in the world. You're already there. So you, the potential is there. The opportunity is there. The choice is yours. Am I going to be a witness? Am I going to be, be an influencer? Am I going to be salt and light? Or am I just going to kind of blend in? Am I just going to kind of be like everybody else? You can make a difference in this world. You can be an influence. Not because you have a great, charming personality. Though that may be true. 
You can make a difference in this world because you're salt and light. God made you so when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. To quote Andy Griffith, so therefore go out and act like somebody. Act like you are salt and light and watch what happens with your life as you influence this world for the kingdom of God. Will you bow your heads to pray with me, please? <clears throat> Today, as we've talked about being those with the potential of making a difference, making an impact not only on the world, but on people in this world. <clears throat> Today, we We've learned that, that we we're capable of making that kind of influence, making that kind of impact, if we simply choose that we're going to be who we are. We already are salt. We have to choose to be salt. We already are light. We have to choose to be light. So, Father, in these next few moments, as our hearts are still before you, as we reflect on these things that we've talked about and the things that we've remembered and that we've heard today, Lord, I, I pray that you would not make us salt and light, but use us as salt and light in this world. There's someone here today that's still living in a bland, flavorless life in the darkness of this world that needs to be set free. Father, I pray that your kingdom the message of your kingdom and of its gospel would set them free today. But I pray also for, the, for these others that are here that have made that decision to follow you and are now salt and light, that we would make a decision today and a commitment today to live as salt and light in this world so that we might cause others to see our good works and glorify you. So, Father, speak to our hearts what we should do, what kinds of commitments we should make today. And whatever they are, Father, whatever those decisions are that you're calling us to make, I pray that each and every one of us would not leave this room until we've made those commitments that you're revealing to our hearts right now that we should make. Have your way, Father, in every heart, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.